What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English. Greatly appreciate everyone for tuning in for today's episode. Hope everyone is staying safe and healthy out there. If you haven't done so already, go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram at English Encore Podcast. Post some really cool graphics on there as well as have Instagram live sessions. You can go check out my last one with former NFL quarterback Jordan Palmer. Um, it's in the IGTV section on there. If you have any questions, you can always feel free to DM me or email me, including any questions you have about my merchandise that I have on my page. Today, I'm be going into NFL power rankings, ranking teams 10 through 1 through the course of the first six weeks of the NFL season. Then I'll be going through a quick stardom and sit for fantasy football this week. Again, I'm going into the MLB World Series as Game 3 is tonight between the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Tampa Bay Rays. And then finally, we're just going to go over some NHL talk, um, going through some of the trades and signings that have happened um, since the NHL draft. I know I've touched on the draft and some of the signings um, in previous episodes, but nothing of this magnitude yet. But starting off with NFL power rankings, I'm going to be going through 10 through 1 and kind of giving my reasoning of why each of these teams where they're at. Starting off at number 10, I have the Los Angeles Rams, who are 4-2. and two. Um, The Rams have had a really good year so far. Um, they've been kind of hit and miss in certain games. Their losses uh, have come against the Buffalo Bills and the 49ers this past week. Um, Jared Goff has looked a ton better than he did last year. You can really tell what Cooper Cup does for that offense. I think Sean McVay is an excellent coach. There isn't probably the toughest division in football between themselves, the Cardinals, who are also 4-2, and two, um, the Seattle Seahawks, and then the 49ers, who they just lost to. A division that could potentially have all four teams make it. I think you would, I honestly wouldn't be shocked if that was the case. The only tough part about that is because they all play each other two times, I think it is going to have one of them probably not make it, but they're all in very good shape right now for the extended playoffs. Number nine is going to be a little bit of a shock for most people, and it's because they're 5-1. and one. But I have the Chicago Bears. Honestly, I'm just really not sure about them yet. I think they do look better with Nick Foles at quarterback. But if we're being honest, this is one of those cases of it's a okay team or a good team, or excuse me, a bad team that's had you know a good start. I'm still not convinced Matt Nagy's a great coach. Um, they got very lucky in multiple wins in their first three games with Mitch Trubisky. And I'm not saying NFL or, you know, getting lucky in the NFL isn't part of, you know, your record each year. But I'm just still not convinced that they're a legitimate title threat. If they start winning, you know, a few bigger games, I'll definitely have them up there. I know they beat um, Tampa, but, you know, they've had some very close games against bad teams. They should have lost to Detroit. Um, the first week if DeAndre Swift didn't drop that game-winning touchdown. So I'm still kind of waiting on them. Number eight, I have the Buffalo Bills at 4-2. and two. Um, The Bills had a very good start to the year. Josh Allen was in the MVP conversation. Um, he's kind of dropped out of that the past two weeks. They've had two very tough games, one against the Titans and one against the Chiefs back-to-back. One was a Tuesday night game, and then this past one was Monday night. Um, for the Bills – 
they definitely need to step it up. They have a good chance to really prove some people wrong here in the upcoming weeks. They have a good chance to rebound this week against the Jets, who are the worst team in the NFL. So that game is really not going to prove very much, but it's going to give them a chance to kind of get back on track, move to 5-2, and two, extend their lead in the AFC East. And then they get to play the Patriots, you know, Seattle coming up as well um, in the next few weeks after that. Two very good teams. And I think the Patriots game is really big for Buffalo because that's really the goal that they were trying to achieve here is winning the AFC East. You know, I still think they're a year or two away from being a legit Super Bowl contender. But, um, you know, the offense looks a lot better than last year. The defense has been brutal for them after they've been in the top five for the past two to three years, um, respectively. But, you know, those two losses against two of the better teams in the AFC, but they the way that they lost was definitely um, something to keep an eye on. But overall, I still think they've had a good start to the year. They've beaten two good teams in the Raiders and the Rams. And then the Tuesday night game, because of all the COVID stuff, was kind of weird for them. So I'm going to give them the benefit of doubt there. But um, definitely 8, I think, is a good spot for them. Number 7, the Tampa Bay Bucks coming off a big win, win versus the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady looks very good. Um, I think him and Bruce Arians are still getting on the same page. The offense looks great at times and looks bad at times. I don't think Mike Evans and Chris Godwin have looked as dominant in the office as offenses everyone has expected them to but at the end of the day they still are four and two and they're playing some pretty good football um their defense has been very very good this year um so number seven for the bucks i think is perfect for them not to mention they have the rays who are in the world series and the lightning who are in or won the stanley cup and the super bowl is in tampa this year so it's just some extra motivation for them number six i have the baltimore ravens who are five and one um Unlike Chicago, the only reason Baltimore isn't higher on this list is because so far all their wins have come against relatively bad teams. Their only loss, they got outplayed and dominated by the Chiefs just like the Bills did this past Monday night. And the Bills and the Ravens were kind of those two teams that at the beginning of the year a lot of people said were going to be the ones contending with the Chiefs and then you had people with the Steelers titans patriots mixed in there but i thought buffalo and baltimore were the two teams that people thought were going to match up with them well baltimore from an offensive perspective and bills based on their defense over the past few years um but baltimore obviously very well coached with harbaugh they've had a couple decent wins but you know they struggled last week against philadelphia after being up by a lot and they almost blew that game Still waiting to see their offense really start clicking like it was last year. It's definitely nothing like it was. Lamar's not having the same type of season. Um, I think they're starting to incorporate J.K. Dobbins a little bit more into the running game. And they still just don't have that elite number one, you know, wide receiver. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Marquise Brown has been okay for them. Um, Mark Andrews is obviously their number one receiving threat. But he hasn't done that much because, you know, Lamar's been doing so much on the ground um, with his legs. They did, or it's reported they're signing Des Bryant to their practice squad, so I think that'd be an interesting story. They also just traded for Yannick Ngakwe to really bolster up that defense, which is already pretty good as is. So um, so I have them at number six. I have number five, Tennessee Titans, 5-0 and on the year. Titans have been very impressive. I've actually been super impressed with Ryan Tannehill. Um, I'm not the biggest Ryan Tannehill believer, just because I watch him for so long in Miami. Then again, now that I'm seeing how bad Adam Gase is a coach, maybe that's why. 
Um, but he, you can't doubt that he's having a good year. Derrick Henry's a beast on the ground. Um, A.J. Brown's been having a very good year for them at the wide receiver position. Their defense has always been good under Mike Vrabel. They have a very good secondary between, you know, Butler um, and Adoree Jackson, who is hurt, but he should be coming back. Um, Kevin Byer, obviously, on the back end is a very good safety. Um, they've been dominating teams the past few weeks. They just won a shootout against the Houston Texans this past week, which is still a very good team despite their record. Um, they definitely should not have even have won that game, but Romeo Cornell made the weird decision to go for two, which I thought was actually the right decision, but um, I still think they need to change that overtime rule so that Deshaun Watson gets a chance at the ball there. But um, Tennessee is definitely playing some good football. They have a great matchup coming up against the also undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. I'll be touching on them in just a few minutes. Um, number four, I have the Green Bay Packers at 4-1. and one. Even though they just lost to Tampa, I think the Packers are one of the best teams in football. Aaron Rodgers has been clicking on all cylinders throughout the entire course of the season. I think him and Matt LaFleur really got it going. Aaron Jones continues to have a dominant year on the ground. And it's just amazing what they're doing despite Devontae Adams kind of being consistently banged up and just all these random receivers coming in and making impacts. Their tight ends have been making impacts for them. Their defense has been very good this year um, under Mike Patton. I know they had a rough week against the Bucks, but I expect them to rebound and continue to be one of the favorites in the NFC to come out um, and potentially win the Super Bowl. Number three, I have the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think some people think this is a bit too high, but you just can't stop their defense. Their defense is all world. I think their defense is the best in the NFL. Um, you know, Dupree, Watt, Hayden, Minka Fitzpatrick, all these guys, Edmonds continuing to develop on the back end for them. And then you have their offense now clicking more with Ben Roethlisberger back. James Connors getting it going on the ground. You know, uh, Chase Clydepool and Deontay Johnson have made huge steps for them this year. Clydepool being one of the best rookies um, after his four-touchdown explosion a few weeks ago. Um, I think they're going to continue to be in the right direction. Them and the Ravens are definitely going to be battling it out for that spot. I think Cleveland's going to fall off a bit. Um, and I think Pittsburgh just has a very good schedule going forward. Um, and I expect them to be a top three to five team the rest of the way. Number two, the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson, to me, is the MVP of the league so far. Um, he's been playing out of his mind. Their defense has struggled a lot, but Wilson's been able to carry them between him, Metcalf, Lockett, their ground game with Chris Carson. Um, they've just been clicking on all cylinders offensively. And even when they look like they're down um, late in games and like it's all going to be over, um, he's shown the ability to drive his team down the field and win games. And even though the Seattle defense isn't great, it seems like they've come up timely stops when they needed to. Jamal Adams also has been hurt for them. I think when he gets back, they that does add a different element to that defense. Um, but despite that, I still think Kansas City is my number one team, 5-1. and one. I know they lost to the Raiders, which was kind of a weird game for them. But um, they blew out the Bills, even though the score would indicate that on Monday night. Um, they've beaten a lot of very good teams. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes is still the one of the best players, if not the best player in the NFL. I think him and Russell Wilson are fighting tooth and nail for that um, spot. I think everyone would probably tell you it's Patrick Mahomes. Um, their offense is just so explosive. Tyreek Hill, Watkins, Hardman, Kelsey, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, not to mention they just added Le'Veon Bell, and their defense is continuously improving. Um, I think they're still just going to be the toughest team to beat. But uh, Kansas City, Seattle, Super Bowl definitely would be interesting. But teams like Pittsburgh, Green Bay, Tennessee, 
um, in Tampa, I think, are going to have some things to say about that. And then going into Stardom and Sidham for the week, I'll start with Sidham um, for NFL fantasy purposes. Uh, David Johnson, the Houston running back versus the Green Bay Packers. I just haven't seen David Johnson get going really since that first week. I think he's a little bit inconsistent. Green Bay has a very good defense. Um, I think they're going to be wanting to rebound after a tough loss against the Buccaneers. Um, you know, Texans just lost a tough one against the Titans, but um, I just like Green Bay in that game, and I don't know if David Johnson's going to have a great game. Ryan Tannehill having a great year, but I'm going to have him sit him this week versus the Steelers. The Steelers' defense is all-world, as I mentioned before. I think they're going to cause him a lot of pressure in the pocket. Um, I definitely think they're going to try to get Derrick Henry the ball early and often, and I just don't know if these receivers and tight ends um, can beat this Pittsburgh secondary. Um, Jared Cook, tight end for the Saints versus the Panthers. Definitely don't play him if you need a tight end. Um, he's been terrible all year. Um, you'd figure that he'd have more production with Michael Thomas likely being out again this week, but he hasn't shown any more increased production since Michael Thomas has been out. Um, the tight end game has kind of been irrelevant in New Orleans this year. And then Allen Robinson versus the Rams. Allen Robinson's one of those players that obviously if you have him, you're going to start him. I would just lower your expectations for him. Um, you know, he's going to be going up against Jalen Ramsey. He struggled against the Rams when they played them the past few times. Um, I just think Sean McVay does a really good job of scheming how to shut down their number one option. I think they're going to find a way um, to make the Bears beat them other than Allen Robinson. So they're going to try to make them beat him with Montgomery on the ground or passing it to someone else, which I think will be very hard for the Bears to do. Um, so I'd lower your expectations on Allen Robinson. As far as stardom, um, Justin Herbert versus Jacksonville, I think, is a very intriguing option if you're in need of a quarterback play. He's at 29 and 36 points over the last two games he's had against the Bucks and New Orleans. Jacksonville, obviously not a very good team. This could be a very high-scoring game. Um, I like what Herbert's done so far in his first four starts. I think he's a very good start play this week. Um, T. Higgins for Cincinnati is another um, very intriguing option. He's had seven targets or at least eight fantasy points over his last four games. Um, you know, Joe Burrow is definitely giving him a lot of looks along with Boyd. A.J. Green had one big game last week, um, but I don't expect that going forward. I think A.J. Green wants out, and I think T. Higgins' um, stock is only going to continue to go up. Jarek McKinnon, easy start, even though it's against the New England defense. New England allows a ton of running back point or excuse me, fancy points to running backs catching the ball. Raheem Mostert is now out um, for the year. More than likely, Jarek McKinnon is going to step in and be a major impact player. And then finally, Noah Font, the tight end. If you're really in deep need um, of a tight end, I know Mark Andrews is on bye week this week. Um, I think Drew Locke is going to get back into the room a little bit more than we saw against the Patriots last week. He really loves the Font connection, um, so I wouldn't expect a monstrous game but I definitely would expect probably six or seven catches out of him um, and really get Drew Locke back at pace and the security blanket for him moving on to the World Series um, between the Dodgers and the Tampa Bay Rays the series is tied one game apiece the Dodgers took game one eight to three Clayton Kershaw really returned to form many were questioning if we we're going to see playoff Kershaw which has you know been a big joke over the past few years because he hasn't been himself but Six innings pitched, two hits, one run, and eight Ks um, in game one. And why on earth did the Red Sox trade Mookie Betts? Because that man is all world. Two for four, one RBI, scored two runs, drew a walk, and also stole two bases. Not to mention his elite glove in the outfield. Um, 
You know, the Dodgers are definitely loving every single bit of that trade. Red Sox fans, not so much. Um, Glasnow for the Rays did not look good um, in his first game of the World Series. Four and a third innings pitched, only three hits, but gave up six runs and had six walks, which I'll detail a little bit more in a second here why that's so big. Um, the Rays were able to rebound in game two behind a strong outing um, from Snell. Snell pitched four and two-thirds innings, two hits, two runs, nine Ks, and four walks. Um, he had a no-hitter going into the fifth inning before um, the Dodgers really started getting to him. Brandon Lau, uh, two for five, three RBIs, including two home runs for the Rays, a bat they desperately needed to get going. Um, up until that point, Manuel Margot has really been their only consistent hitter, in my opinion, um, throughout the playoffs. The Dodgers did have three home runs. It clearly was not enough. They were all, um, or I believe two out of three were solo shots. So um, Dodgers definitely had the ability to hit the long ball. But um, the big thing for me going into game three tonight, you have a very good pitching matchup between Walker Buehler and Charlie Morton. For the Rays, their pitchers has had to stop walking, guys. You know, between uh, Glasnow and Snell, they've had 10 walks um, out of their starting pitchers in the past two games. That's clearly not going to cut it against the Dodgers team. That has a lot of speed. They're going to make you pay on the bases, have the ability to drive in runs. Right now, I think the Dodgers are more well-positioned um, to win this series. However, if Morton can pitch very well tonight, um, Tampa is very sound defensively. Their pitching just kind of been all over the place throughout the series um, and the playoffs. You know, you saw what happened against the Astros. They almost blew a 3-1 lead, uh, or excuse me, 3-0 lead. And, you know, I just think that the Dodgers' hitting ability is definitely a problem for the Rays. However, um, the big thing for the Rays right now is you've split the first two games and you're in a good position with Morton on the mound tonight. I think he's been your solid or probably your best pitcher um, in the playoffs so far. Uh, I think he's your most consistent and he's a good veteran guy. So to me, I think that the Dodgers are probably going to win this series in six games. But if the Rays can manage to take tonight's game, I think they're in a well um, better position, obviously just because they're going to be up 2-1. to one, But um, I think it'll put them in a position for when they want to get Snell back on the mound later in the series. Um, and there's still just that question mark with Kershaw. If you know he had one good game, you're not sure if he's going to be able to maintain that. Um, they were able to shut down Betts in game two. He didn't have a hit. Um, so it's going to be a matter if the other Dodgers players can step up and if the Rays can continue to shut down their big hitters on the mound when needed. And then finally, moving on to the NHL, just kind of going over some trades and signings. Um, so not really any huge trades um, since the draft, which I talked about in a previous episode. Um, Avalanche made a few trades. They got Devon Tabes from the Islanders for two second-round picks. They also acquired Brandon Saad and Dennis Gilbert from the Chicago Blackhawks in exchange for Anton Lindholm and Nikita Zadorov. And then Winnipeg acquired Paul Stasny in exchange for uh, Carl Dahlstrom and a fourth-round pick. Um, so nothing really too major. I think Nikita Zadorov's a very good defenseman um, for Chicago to pick up. Sod's a nice veteran player to add for the Avalanche. Um, other than that, as far as signings go, Matt Murray, after he was dealt um, in the draft to the Ottawa Senators, signed a four-year extension. Joe Thornton signing a one-year deal with the Toronto Maple Leafs, 
leaving a lot of Sharks fans very sad. Um, Brendan Gallagher signed a new six-year, $39 million deal um, with the Canadians. Alex Petrangelo leaving um, the Blues to sign a seven-year, $61.6 million deal with the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, I think that instantly makes them the Stanley Cup favorites, in my opinion, with that move alone. Not to mention they have the goalie tandem of Marc-Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard to rely on, um, in addition to their, all their other really good players. Tyler Toffoli signing a four-year, $17 million deal with the Montreal Canadiens. Tory Krug, seven-year, $45.5 for the Blues, kind of right away replacing that Petrando loss. I'm a little bit younger of a player with a little bit more upside um, in the future, I think. And then Taylor Hall signing a one-year, $8 million deal in Buffalo. He was probably the most marquee free agent. I think it was very surprising that he decided to go one year, but I think he wants to just get one good year with Eichel, um, potentially put up a lot of points and either re-sign with Buffalo or retest the market. Um, and I think you saw Toffoli and guys like that have been kind of waiting to sign. You know, Mike Hoffman's another name uh, that still is waiting to sign. I think the Toffoli deal will probably be something similar to what he'll get. Um, I'll probably be touching on in a few episodes, um, probably in a couple Fridays, about all the arbitration hearings that are coming up at the end of this month um, for players. But overall, not a huge amount of trades. I think there are going to be some more coming as the NHL season is going to be starting more towards December, January. Um, and I'll continue to keep you guys updated with NHL signings in the future as well. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Hope everyone is staying safe and healthy once again. Thank you all for the support. I will be back again on Monday with another episode. I'll be going over the Bills-Jets game, kind of going over all the injury problems the Bills have been having, um, kind of looking over the Quentin Spain release and why that um, possibly happened, and then previewing their game, um, which I think is their biggest game of the season to date against the New England Patriots the following week. Hopefully we'll have some more Sabres news. Um, we'll have some Sabres topics to discuss then as well, and then we'll probably talk about some uh, college football, college basketball in Buffalo on Monday as well. But that's going to do it. This has been an English Encore podcast, Buffalo's favorite sports channel.